Fulton County Library System presents Checking Out Fulco Library. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. Rachel, why don't you kick us off? Okay, well, welcome, Gail. Welcome back. Thank you. So uh, a lot has changed since we last spoke. I think it's been almost a year since we spoke. And I remember one of the last things we were speaking about was the renovations of the libraries, but we have since wrapped and our central library has officially reopened after over three years of being closed due to its $50 million renovation. So um, for those who have not got a chance to come by and check it out, what can they look forward to? Thank you so much for having me, uh, you and Kay. I, I want to just say how um, the, the Central Library has just come full circle. Uh, what they can expect are beautifully reimagined spaces that include lots of exhibit areas, many meeting rooms and study rooms like never before. Also a renovated auditorium that seats 330 people, a massive event or conference center that has a rooftop area that can be utilized in conjunction with the main auditorium on that fifth floor area. Uh, and that whole space will soon be a part of a rental space uh, opportunity. We're working toward that so that the public will be able to have moments that they can actually rent the space for uh, activities and what have you. And also the public can expect collections that are much better displayed for patrons to browse at the Central Library an enhanced special collections department and uh, wonderful bright spaces for children and teens. You might remember our teen department was on a higher floor, uh, but it just didn't have the space that we're able to give to it now. The, the children's department was in the basement of the central library. Now it's on the fourth floor. So the, it's just wide open spaces, uh, lots of lighting and just very inviting spaces. And also the return of GED testing and GED and ESL classes. So expect those very soon. Those will get back up and uh, will be a really wonderful opportunity as we continue to really highlight literacy. You know, I really love the look of Central Library. It's so, it's so kind of metropolitan to me. And I know that this was such a labor of love because I'm pretty sure that the pandemic pushed back the reopening dates. But I remember at the Central Library reopening that the architect, um, Al Collins, got very choked up with his, um, his speech. And did you feel kind of the similar emotion wrapping up such a big project, project? Always, every time we do a project, you know, we did all these renovations for all 34 of our libraries over the, the span of about eight to 10 years. And uh, that meant that all of them got some sort of a, a upgrade of, of some type. We still have two lease libraries though. So really actually 32 libraries, phase one and phase two. But I have to be honest with you, every time we open up a new library, I feel like it's just the birth of something. And I always get choked up, always shed a tear or two. And Central was such a large project. There were so many parts and pieces that it was just phenomenal. And we spent numerous days and hours going over all sorts of plans and all sorts of having all sorts of meetings about it until we were just exhausted. And, and the thing about it is that in almost every case, and particularly Central, you could look at the plans all day long, but until you really got to see the spaces come alive, it just wasn't quite real. So on the day that we had the grand opening, I was just overjoyed. I mean, it was just a phenomenal undertaking. I'm from Atlanta, so I've seen this library since it uh, opened in 1980. 
And I've worked here for such a long time, almost three decades, uh, not at Central, but throughout the organization. And I tell you, it has just been wonderful to see this fantastic turnaround. And I think the public's uh, approach to the acceptance of it and, and the, the comments that we've had that have been so positive about it just buoys us. It just, it just really uh, makes us feel like the time spent was definitely worthwhile and the money spent was extremely well worthwhile. Looking back over the last two or so years, Gail, you navigated the direction of the largest library system in Georgia throughout this pandemic. What do you feel that you learned personally during this experience, both personally and professionally? What kind of growth did you feel? Well, I learned, first of all, how much can be accomplished when staff uh, get together and brainstorm, uh, along with all the other uh, people who had uh, a huge part in all of this, the architects, the contractors, everybody, all the way down to, to the rest of the staff, uh, and just how willing uh, people are to think creatively. That was real uh, a real good eye-opener for me. Um, and that the public moved with us. You know, they were, they were sensible. And they were they, they they appreciated our reasonable planning, I think, and the process. Uh, not everybody was on board from the beginning. Not everybody liked everything all the time. But we know that's in anything that you do. But I, I learned that if you stick to things and you have a, a real good plan, people seem to be very accepting of it. Personally, I learned that the employees of this library system are extremely resilient. I mean, every time we had to close a library, send staff elsewhere to work, reopen the library. I mean, it, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of, uh, um, I, I think people call it more, what's it, interpretude <laughs> when, you, uh, yep. when you are able to adjust and readjust. And we've asked a lot of our staff. We've asked a lot of the public. So I, I felt very good about all of that. And then, um, I don't know, personally, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about me I, because I, I've always been of the opinion that it's not about me. It's about what we at the FCLS can and should offer the public and whether or not the public's will be receptive to those offerings. That is what our daily concern should always be. And so I try to take myself out of the picture a lot. You know, I'm not, I'm not one seeking in the limelight and all that. I would have become the actress that I thought about being one time. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, so much thinking about myself. Whatever I do, it'll come through, you know, at some point. And so that's just the way I've always looked at it. So personally, I gain from the professional side of it uh, that we've done a good job. If I can go home every day and say, I think we've done a good job. We put in, we put in the work, and we put in the work, and we put in the time on these projects. And I think they reflect that. Wait, I gotta point something out. You said that you at one point in time wanted to be an actress. Yes, I did. So why didn't you pursue that? Well, you know, you tell, you talk yourself out of things. You know, I was a drama. I, I, I almost switched to. I was a journalism major. Almost switched to drama uh, at Georgia State University, my alma mater, and I just, I just enjoyed it. I always enjoyed. Uh, I, I like performance art. And so uh, speaking was always something that my mother encouraged and my sister and I, I more than my sister, uh, just jumped toward. And so I just, uh, yeah, I love reciting things and you know all that kind of stuff doing. I grew up doing those kinds of things. And so it's just been a part of me and I've always enjoyed reading and from, from childhood reading and writing. One of these days, I still hope to write the great American novel. We'll see if that happens. I think you should do it. And even, even with acting, I think you should go for it. I mean, we're in a great city for that since this is kind of the Black Hollywood of the South in Atlanta. And they're always looking for roles. And you know, they're always filming in, at Central or in front of Central. So I think you should just walk on out there one day and talk to one of the directors. I'm sure they'll put you on. 
I told them the Rachel sent me. <laughs> yes, please do. And also <laughs> let them know I want to be on there too. So we can okay, do I'll, I'll tell them uh, you're my manager. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, I think I better stick to what I know and that's the, what I truly know and that's library work. <laughs> well, uh, that's a good turn for our next little segment, which is, as you know, March is Women's History Month. So let's talk about some of the women that you admire and why. Well, my mother first uh, was first and foremost remains the woman I most admire. You know, she instilled in my sister and me the idea of being self-sufficient and to know that we have to excel in life and in our careers. We, in her mind, had to be able to take care of ourselves. She was fierce and she taught us not to, to be shrinking violets. Um, my father also taught us that we should always do a day's work well if we expect to get paid for it. So I grew up in a, in a household of people who valued education, who valued uh, learning and uh, just doing all you can to be the best that you could be. If you were gonna be a, a street sweeper, you needed to be the best doggone sweep, street sweeper ever so they could write you up in the newspaper. I mean, that's how they looked at things. And, uh, and so I admire my mother for all of that. She, uh, she was a hard worker herself, loved to read, and she just instilled in us all of that. I admire women who, who know their self-worth and understand that we have to take care of ourselves and then work to take care of others when possible. Uh, I admire workers who are on the front lines of things like healthcare and, and the military and those who work in non-traditional jobs. Um, I like, I, I've always uh, been in admiration of those women who excel in the fields of what we just got through talking about uh, entertainment and in, in the sports world. It takes a certain personality, particularly in the sports world, to be that, to be that um, dedicated and to be that disciplined. Whatever I, I see a picture of, just as an example of Serena, Williams and she's got that backhand is just uh, unreal. Uh, I tried to play tennis many years ago when I was younger and I'm, I'm always in admiration of her because it takes a certain amount of dedication and extreme skill, but real dedication to working hard and being able to do that. I mean, it's just fierce. And so I'm just always, um, I'm just always just in awe of people who can excel so well in various fields. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be at that high level, but whatever they do, they do it extremely well. You know, I've, I will, I've driven up to McDonald's and I've seen uh, women at the, at the window who are just so professional. They have these voices that they really ought to be on in radio or something. Uh, they've got this, this can-do attitude. They've got this great customer service skill uh, set. And I think that those are things that you know, speak well for them. And so I've always just admired that. And then as far as actual individual women, um, you know, I, just, I just admire women who accept challenges and they move ahead and they they forge ahead and they kind of make it look easy. You know, I think I talked a while back about Cicely Tyson. I always saw her as someone admirable. Maya Angelou, uh, Lisa Leslie, when I look at the sports world, uh, along with Serena and others. Uh, Barbara Streisand, I'm just amazed at that voice. You know, I, I just think it's awesome. Indira Gandhi, when she was, uh, uh, I think it was prime minister was the, t uh, was the title of India. Uh, Tina McElroy Anza, who wrote the book Ugly Ways. She lives on St. Simons and I admired her in that book. She hasn't written anything much since then, but uh, I admired that book because it, it, it spoke about women that I actually recognized in my life, uh, notably my mother and my, my sister-in-law. Uh, her mother was just uh, amazing and, and so much like Medea in, uh, in ugly ways. And uh, Mitzi Copeland, I admire her, the skill that it takes to be a ballerina. I mean, it's just formidable that these, uh, these women are just formidable. So those are just a few people that I've thought about when, uh, when, I, when I'm asked about those types of things. And, and then people that I just work with on a daily basis who just put one foot in front of the other and keep it moving. 
They don't complain a lot. They do what they have to do. They accept the fact that there are wins and there are losses and they just keep moving. And I just think that's admirable. I love everything that you said, because that is exactly what being a woman is about. And fortunately, it seems like we're starting to truly get more celebrated and um, seen. Because even with the Olympics, this past Olympics, not the Winter Olympics, but um, I forgot which one it was when they do track and field. But there was a lot of focus on that these mothers these Olympians who have, still have children, some practice while being pregnant, and they're still able to accomplish what they're accomplishing. And, you know, at one point in time, it didn't feel that way. It definitely felt like there had to be a, um, a choice between home life and career and, you know, just a question of whether or not we as women could, could balance both. And we always could, but finally, I think the world is seeing that we can and we have been. So it's great to feel appreciated now. Right. I agree with you. Um, you know, that that's a double-edged sword, sword when we start talking about all that, though, because this is a choice either way. If you're going to be, um, you know, at home with your kids, if you're not going to have kids, if you're going to uh, to work and, and have kids, that that's a choice. Either one, and, and if you don't do either one of it, it's still a choice, you know. Um, so the whole thing of it is, is what works for you. And I think that that's, that's becoming much more celebrated, as you said, um, but it's, it's a personal choice that we all have to make. And it's a difficult one. I don't think that people have in the past fully appreciated that it is difficult until they hear people like the Olympians speaking to that point, but that they, it's, it helps to fulfill their lives. And I think all of us, male and female, always want to be fulfilled. We want to find things that give us joy and that bring us satisfaction. And I think that for some of us, it's, it's a work and family and that work-life balance. For some of us, it's, it's a multitude of other things. But it just speaks to the human condition. And I just think it's beautiful. I mean, you know, if we were all the same, it'd be so boring. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, um, so of course, this month being Women History Month, next month is also an important month. It is the month of April, which is known for a lot of things. One of the biggest things in the library world is National Library Week and Financial Literacy Month, the month of April. So let's talk first about National Library Week. What exactly is that and why do we celebrate it? Well, National Library Week was started in 1958 by the American Library Association. And it was to celebrate the contributions of libraries um, and uh, library staff and to promote what libraries encourage. And that's reading, uh, learning, the whole aspects of literacy, and uh, to ask people for their support of libraries. And it's observed this year, April 3rd through, through uh, April 9th. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to showcase what we do because I don't know that people think that libraries are, uh, I think maybe they think that we got stuck somewhere in the past with uh, once the computer age uh, dawned on us and everything, but we're so much more, we're so much part of the community now. And I think that is what has sustained us. I think that's what's, what's, what's continuing to make libraries so viable is that we are so much of the community it's, it's not your, your, your old fashioned library necessarily. We may still shish people from time to time, but we have so much more to offer. And I think that's what people are coming in and they're continuing to find out that we have uh, all kinds of skills that we can help them build. Uh, we have all kinds of information, whether it be uh, in book format, whether it's online, whether it's a pamphlet so that you can know just to help you in your, your daily life skills needs, uh, informational things that uh, people come in and ask us to, to provide for them or to help them get on the computer to, to, to buy an airline ticket or to uh, find out about their social security or some other uh, 
aspect of their lives that they're needing. So I think that we have really evolved into where we have just kind of uh, embedded ourselves in daily lives of a lot of people and we want to continue to do that. And you know, it's interesting, a lot of people, they still to this day that I know question um, kind of the library, the existence of it. And they, they're never there when they asked it, by the way, they ne- they're never there when they mention it. It's always somebody that, you know, we're, we're hanging out a different area and they're like, oh, does people even use libraries anymore? And I'm like, if you're there in the morning before they open up, if you see the line of people that are waiting to get in there, you'd be surprised. Well, that's, that's just true. asked. I was just asked yesterday or the day before if we were all volunteers yet again. <laughs> what? Oh, and, wow. That's interesting. I mean, I've, I've heard that a lot of times over the years. And, you know, you want to you want to answer them as politely as you can while telling them that it took you six years of education to get this position. I know. You know, you don't uh, want to be snarky and rude, but you kind of want to make the point. Well, I hope that we could talk about our, our profession a lot more. And I think that's something I'm, I'm seeing that we really need to do more of. A lot of people don't come out of undergraduate school or out of high school thinking that they'll be a librarian. Usually we come into the this career field uh, or even people who don't necessarily want to get the master's degree in library science, just coming to work in the library. Usually people come to that after they work in other fields. And so that's kind of the thing we've got to spend some time you know, really educating the public about what it is that we do and that everything is not on the computer. Or if it is on the computer, everything is not there to be interpreted in the way that they might think because it might not be good information. So we are still the discerners of good information. And that's what I try to tell people when they say, oh, do you really need libraries? You know, really? I mean, I just go on and go online and look something up. Well, yeah, you can, but you might not still have what you need. And libraries are, are there with people who are very skilled in just how to navigate all of this data that's out there and available. And we can make them aware of things that they might not even think to look up online because we know how to Boolean search. <laughs> so, you know, right. that's that's uh, that's just always an interesting point that people try to make. You know, I just kind of laugh at all. Yeah, and especially in this day and age when everybody calls everybody else's news fake news or people oh, get their news solely from social media. And you see the things that people that you know and you respect in your real life, but the things that they share online, and and you just wonder, do they did they really believe it? Do they ever think what is this news source? You know, and I'm I'm saying that in air quotes, news source that they're getting these things from. I mean, well, mother, that, we need information literacy now more than ever, I believe, because there's so much more information out there that is not information. Okay, that's an ex- that is an excellent point, and I, I think about that almost daily. Uh, I don't even know how you combat now how you combat that now because it's gone on so long and it's become a catch-all phrase of fake news and all that. Uh, and as a for, as a journalism major, I I just cringe sometimes because I have such a respect for um for for journalism and for for intellectual freedom and, and choice and for for um for the fact that we, we, we're supposed to have freedom of speech, of course, but at the same time, we need to understand that our part of, it seems to me that part of that responsibility ought to include having good facts though, good information before you share it online and all that. But you know, there again, it comes to person, it comes back to personal responsibility. You know, how responsible will all, we all be to those things? And I think it's gotten out of hand and I'm not sure that we could pull it back. Sadly, Gail, I agree with you hundred percent on those points. And it's something I think about and talk about a lot with my husband. And he's a very optimistic guy, but I'm kind of like, I feel, I'm, I worry that we've hit a tipping point. And I, 
as a librarian, it's important to me that people understand where they're getting information and how to evaluate it. Right. But I don't know how many ways there are for us to share that. And we have to be very careful in the library that we don't ever overstep with patrons. It's a delicate balance. It is. We need to do a whole segment on that. We really do. Because I don't think that people, from outside people, they do think the librarians are just book collectors. And, um, you know, they just completely forget about the time growing up where, no, I need it. And still to this day, like even, I mean, I work for the system, but I'm not a librarian. I absolutely go to my fellow colleague to help me find resources. I don't know it. And, you know, being that I'm kind of in the club of working for the library, I know that the outside information is very diluted. It's very, people can put their opinions and stuff and literally confidently state it as a fact and just let it go. And because I know that I, I like to come to those I know who are at least going to help me try my best to find the correct answer. So, but I do stand up for librarians, by the way, quick uh, story. Um, we had a movie scout looking at Central and they were shifting some books. And so I asked them not to do that. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we don't want to upset the librarians. And I'm like, listen, it's a science to it. Like, I know y'all are being silly. But I'm like, I wouldn't even put these books back because I don't even know how to do it. And it's not as simple as just putting the books back. It's an entire science. These people go to school for this. So I'm like, I'm sorry to kill the mood, but I'm like, we're not going to, you know, crack jokes on this. This is, this is, you know, a big deal. And it helps you because if somebody puts the book you need somewhere where it's not, then you won't even have access to it. So it's like, not that simple, guys. We thank you for championing what we do. Uh, you know, it, there's a certain mindset of people. I'm always teasing my husband about when he gets upset with me for putting things in order. And I keep telling him, I say, you know, you know, you married a librarian. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. You're married <laughs> to a librarian. And that, you know, that's what we do. We are orderly. We want, to th- we want to see things straight. We want to see things in order. We want to see the chair pushed up to the table, you know. So uh, he always laughs at me about being too tidy. But uh, it, it's, it's something we learn. And I think that my, the, the people of that, of that mindset just gravitate to it because for some reason that's how we're wired. So uh, it's kind of funny. So moving forward, moving on. um, So the month of April also is Financial Literacy Month. Now, I feel like the library's resources for this particular month is very important because over the pandemic, you know, we've had our stimulus checks and childcare credit and a lot of like PPP, like a lot of financial stuff that hit regular people who probably never dealt with this. So when looking for resources, you know, we as a library offer those. So uh, I guess tell me a little bit about Financial Literacy Month and what are some resources that people can look forward to participating in? Well, we usually have programs and I don't think it will be any different this year. Uh, The planning is not complete yet for that uh, month's programming, but it's always uh, to help people with uh, their thoughts and needs around earning, money, spending money, saving money, investing money, that financial planning and estate planning needs. What do you do as you age and you're moving toward retirement? So the retirement planning and taxes. Uh, So we do have some of the uh, tax uh, assistance programs going on at the moment, even now and financial literacy month hasn't started yet, but there are books and materials in the library that will assist people of all ages, even children, because we've had a lot of programs in the past for teens that have to do with financial literacy because 
A lot of kids don't really understand how money works. A lot of adults don't understand how money works. So we try to have uh, smart money programs that would allow people to be engaged with a, a facilitator and with materials that would allow them to better understand what a check, what a checking account is, for instance. Uh, as we get older, what do we need to do to, as we start planning for retirement? Those types of things. So I don't have any specific programs at this moment because, as I said, they're still being worked through. But look forward to that. We always have investing uh, materials and, and that type of thing that you can come in and, and learn about uh, in our reference areas that can be shared with you. So just look out for that information. It'll be posted on our website and the public will be able to just see freely those things that they might want to be a part of and learn more about. Well, I have one program that we could uh, mention here real quick. It kind of ties together so many of the things we've been talking about. On Wednesday, April 6th at noon, the Alpharetta Library is hosting a Lunch and Learn program entitled Retirement, Why Is It Different for Women? So that's something our patrons can look into if they're interested in. And of course, um, like you said, you can find more um, programs. We upload the list daily on focolibrary.org. Just go to our events tab. And, you know, it's our website has been given such a robust upgrade that it makes things a lot easier to find. So you can just simply type in finance, um, taxes, AARP, whatever you're um, looking for into our search engine under events and things will pop up there. Well, Gail, as we're getting towards the end of this conversation, uh, I have one last uh, final question for you. Now that we're getting through the pandemic and the branches in Central have reopened, what does the rest of 2022 look like for the Fulton County Library System? I think it looks like uh, us trying to meet all the needs that we possibly can uh, that we're doing right now, uh, that we were doing pre-pandemic. Uh, but a, a couple of things are on the horizon. We are going to have a social services coordinator. And I think that's going to be really good for us in, 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 in enabling us to better assist uh, people who may come to us, uh, who may want to be a part of programs and other events that we will sponsor um, through that position for any sort of social need that might be there if we can help, uh, whether it be uh, those experiencing homelessness, whether it be persons with PTSD, whether it would be uh, teenagers that are, are are now emancipated and need to know uh, life skills, uh, um, abilities, whatever we can do to help with the human condition. I think that social services coordinator is going to be very well poised to better train staff on looking for um, opportunities that we can have programming and that we can do other things that will address some of those things in a, in a more vibrant way than we've been able to do in the past. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to also bring back, uh, some people may remember the old publication that we had called Access. We're going to physically bring it back and also have it on the website, uh, fulcolibrary.org, uh, where you can, you can uh, actually read about the library and activities. It's now going to be called Library Access. And then we're going to have a monthly televised program, which has already started, uh, led by our wonderful Rachel Sanders. And it's called Library Access on FGTV. Those two things are going to allow us, we feel very wholeheartedly, to really express more vividly those things that are happening in our libraries, to be able to, to feature our uh, things going on in our day-to-day -day operations. Say, for instance, our, our, our most seasoned employee of the library, so that you get to know who the trustees are, you get to know who the foundation members are. You will get some programming information there 
you will have some boot reviews and that type of thing. It won't be so uh, filled with program content more than anything. It's gonna be a, a mixture of things that will actually allow you to maybe keep some of the, the, the issues as a, a point of reference or keep them as souvenirs as we talk about big events that are about to take place. So that will give us a, 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 a much a more uh, of, a, of, a low, of a way to, to just put those programs out there and let people know that the library is so uh, much more than brick and mortar, is so much more than uh, books and, 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 and other materials. It's, it's a community experience. And we wanna make sure we're highlighting our friends groups, our volunteers that do so much for us on a daily basis that we just can't imagine not having them anymore. Don't even remember the time when we didn't have them. So those are the, the highlights and the features that we think well, those, two, uh, uh, those two things would give us. And, um, and then we have our strategic plan that we're working toward. Uh, more will be told about that. Some of the public has already participated in what we called community conversations. And so we're working very hard through the Library Foundation to actually um, re, uh, set up a, a five-year plan of just what will move the library forward. And we really appreciate the inputs that we've gained from the community uh, conversations that will inform a lot of that. Also staff input has been a great part. It will be a great part of that process. So we're hoping that by midsummer, that will that process will have been completed and we will be able to start talking more and more about just what aligns, uh, what things are in that strategic plan that allow, that align with what we're planning on doing for the rest of this year. And, and as we go through the next 45 years. Well, Gail, thank you so much for joining us today. And this has been a really great conversation. And thank you for checking out Fulco Libraries podcast. Make sure to check us out on every major podcast platform, and we will check you out next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fulton County Library Systems, Checking Out Fulco Libraries.